Welcome to the Hashimoto's Healing Podcast. I'm Chelsea, a fellow Hashimoto's warrior and registered dietitian, and I'm here to help you through your Hashimoto's healing journey and get you feeling good. Yes. Each week, we will dive deep and provide you with tips, tricks, and everything you need on your healing journey from myself and some amazing guests in the community. If you're ready to start ditching those Hashimoto's symptoms and jump headfirst into your healing journey, then stick around. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. We have the one, the only Jenna Warner here on the podcast. She is the queen (laughs) of intuitive eating, guys, food freedom. She really just helps you ditch that that diet mentality and just fuel yourself and eat to nourish your body and feel good about it. And gosh, Jenna, I'm so excited that you're here. She is the owner. I totally forgot to mention this of happy, strong, healthy, (laughs) which is, I also want to talk about that. Let's bring that up too. Um, which is her company where she has dietitians that help you find your, your freedom with food and rules and things like that. And gosh, Jenna, I'm just so excited. You're here finally getting to chat about all this. I do not deserve that intro. And it was the sweetest (laughs) intro ever. I'm so grateful. I'm like, but I, what I say before, what I said before is I'm like digging myself out of my fourth trimester Mm -hmm. of mom life. And I feel like every time I I get interviewed or something, I'm like, Oh wait, I, I am a dietitian. Like I can do this. Like, here we go. Let's talk about this. Practice. (laughs) Like you're the best mommy in the world, but you're also the best like dietitian in the world. And I'm so excited you're here. so grateful. <laughs> For those who don't know, Jenna is in her fourth trimester. She has a beautiful baby um, who's four months, right? He is. Oh. I just finished that fourth trimester. It's behind me, but I'm like coming out of like the hole. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to balance everything just like with food, right? It's like hard to balance all the different hats that you get to wear now and you know it will all it will work out you're gonna figure it out and be like even more queen status of well, everything. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. all right so let's dive in because gosh this is such a juicy it just this is gonna be such a juicy conversation today so um we're gonna talk about Hashimoto's intuitive eating food freedom and all that good stuff today so I know with women with Hashimoto's, gosh, we have been on every single diet out there. I mean, I've been on weight. I started Weight Watchers when I was eight years old. I mean, talk Mm -hmm. about being trapped in the food culture, you know. I'm a bit chilled. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's been a a hell of a good 20 something years. Um, (laughs) And when I found the words food freedom in school, right, we learned about intuitive eating in school. I was like, wow, this sounds magical. Imagine getting to eat the things that make you feel good mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever that means to you. And I think we were talking about this a little bit before, but with Hashimoto specifically, a lot of the work I do with women in my programs, on my Instagram, on my social media is finding what foods work best for you, but still incorporating a lot of the principles of intuitive eating and finding food freedom and feeling good about the food you're eating instead of feeling restricted. And I would love to kind of talk about that mindset of you can still intuitively eat and find food freedom while experimenting with different foods to find what works best for your body. 
I love this. I'm like, I I love this so much because I I really in my heart believe that one of the biggest misconceptions about intuitive eating is that you can't intuitively eat with a disease state while managing a disease state. And I want to just like start by saying I'm allergic to tree nuts and sesame seeds. It's not the same as Hashimoto's, but I don't avoid foods with tree nuts in them because I fear them from a health perspective, I fear them because they're not good for me and they're not going to make me feel good and improve my health Mm -hmm. because I'm allergic. Now, I didn't just, I mean, I discovered that when I was in college, my face blew up the whole thing. (laughs) Um, It was horrible. I had anaphylactic (laughs) reaction, but I've avoided ever since, right? Right. Um, But that happened and I've learned my boundaries around food, right? Completely different with a disease state like Hashimoto's, like we were talking about. However, it's not that different in the way that I choose foods to fuel my body. I choose them Mm -hmm. within the boundaries of what works for me and to promote my health. And when it comes to Hashimoto's, let's say diabetes, um, PCOS, you Mm -hmm. know, different thyroid disorders as well, you have to understand first the education behind food and the education behind the disease that you're trying to manage. And then you pair that information together to figure out the foods that work best for you. And they're not going to be the same as the foods that work best for somebody else with the exact same conditions. And that's really where the the journey to finding food freedom. And every time I say that, I like my co-host of my podcast, Sam Previtt, her, um, her Instagram name and her company is my dog's back is find food freedom. And I'm like, Oh, like such a good name, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm such a good name. Finding food freedom. You have to safely experiment within the understanding and the context of your specific health and body. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it's so many women are on my page. They just want to know what diet, like, what can I eat? What diet's going to work best for me? And I always say, I can't tell you that because I don't know because what works for me won't work for you. And I think that's the beauty of the journey that I've been lucky enough to be on, which it's been really difficult, but I don't want to diet anymore. I don't want to feel like I can't eat food that tastes good because I can't have X, Y, and Z. I'd rather feel like switch the mindset there. Wow. This dish makes me feel so good after I eat it. I don't feel like I need to be rolled out of my kitchen with my pants unbuttoned <laughs> function. And I think it's, it's really just a mind. Like, would you say it's a really, truly a mindset shift that has to happen? It does. I'm what is the right, you can't crush a skill set without the right mindset. That's mm-hmm. a, a quote I remember from something, but I think the reality is, is just, it's, education has to come first. And so again, there's a lot of misunderstandings about intuitive eating. And I want to just help people understand that intuitive eating is created by was and is created and run by two registered dietitians. As a registered dietitian, we have a responsibility to provide safe and science-based care Mm -hmm. to the masses, right? To the people that we treat. Two registered dietitians did not create this eating framework is the proper terminology, not diet, to make people 
less healthy, right? right? They looked at studies, they've looked at research, they've looked at the communities and the world and saw a need to reduce the stress around food. And I think what we can also start to really understand and just revisit in our mind, all of the eating, all of the disease states that we mentioned before, specifically Hashimoto's, does stress make Hashimoto's symptoms better. Mm -hmm. You're the queen here. It does not. (laughs) Right. And so when you poll human beings and I've done this in the past, one of the top things that people stress the most about in our day and age is food. Mm -hmm. And so when you add that you're stressed about managing your symptoms, you're stressed about your personal life, you're stressed about, I don't know, COVID-19 being a global pandemic that's been over a year long, Mm -hmm. right? And you're stressing about food because you fear food, you don't understand food, you don't understand what foods make you feel good and which don't, you know, you're adding stress upon stress upon stress, and we are blowing up the symptoms that we're supposed to be managing. And I think that that's something that is oftentimes misunderstood is that people believe that this intuitive eating framework is donuts and pizza and cookies and cakes and just not caring. Like, Mm. no, it's caring that I want to understand how I can eat these foods without guilt and shame, but also understanding that if I ate an entire day of cakes and cookies and pizzas and donuts and whatever all day long, and then the uh, next day I would eat all kale, like nothing but kale all day long. Both of those days, I would feel like S-H-I-T. I don't know if I can curse yeah, on this no, podcast. <laughs> Both of those days, I would feel like shit, like all of the fiber and lack of protein and everything else from eating a whole day of kale and all of the lack of macronutrients besides, you know, carbohydrates from eating the alternative day. Neither one of those days would make me feel my best. So the key is how do I have all of the things on the one day and the kale in this like perfect balance without the stress. And so that's really where the education comes into play to understanding food. And like you mentioned before with Hashi's, there's a lot of experimentation and experimentation without the stress of, oh my God, I can't believe I'm eating this or I'm not eating that or whatever the case may be is the key to figuring out what and how much of the what works best for you. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's so fascinating to me that I've seen it on both sides where I've been on the, I just need a meal plan. I just need, I just need someone to tell me how much and what to eat. And then on the other side, it's, I just want to enjoy my life. Like (laughs) I'm so tired of always thinking about food in a negative way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I always think about food, but <laughs> you couldn't tell. Um, but it's, it's, it was always from majority of my life was such a negative experience where I had to hide. I would binge, I would like black out almost when I did binge. like it was, there's just so much yeah. negative connotation between like we think that we just need someone to tell us exactly what to eat, but your body's going to tell you exactly what to eat. And I think we forget our innate ability to like listen and pay attention to how different foods make us feel. 
A hundred percent. I'm watching my little four month old baby intuitively eat at the moment. Obviously it's just at the, right now it's just formula. Um, but you know, when he's done that tongue pushes that bottle, right? Whether it's the amount of ounces I wanted him to eat or not. And I know that it's a very different situation, but we are born intuitive eaters. And at some point in our lives, we start to believe that the only thing that is going to create happiness for us is the size of our body. And Mm -hmm. it's just not true. And it's just not fair. And I think social media is a beautiful thing, but social media can also be the worst thing in the world for self-esteem and body image and your health, really. And so I think one of the key things that you know, I've had clients slash friends that have worked with you. And I know that you still that you feel the same way about this as I do, is that the number one thing I think that we're, we're skirting around the topic of is stress management. And I think stress management is something that people think about as yoga, and they think about as meditation Mm -hmm. and all of these things, but it really needs to stem from food and what we're fueling our bodies with and the way that we are thinking about the foods that we're putting into our body or not. And again, from a Hashimoto standpoint and managing your symptoms, you have to understand that stress is a symptom that needs to be managed. And if you're stressing over your diet all the time, subconsciously and consciously, you're not, you're just going to exacerbate the symptoms of the disease state and Mm -hmm. never feel better. Right. That's a tough pill to swallow. (laughs) Yeah. And it's hard at that point. It's like your brain probably goes to, well, what's the point? I'm never going to get rid of my stress. So like nothing's ever going to work. And I think that's where the, and that's what I try and teach in a lot of my programs, which is why I'd never start off with food in my programs because I love that. I, I will never, ever do that. It's not about the food. It's not. And, <laughs> and I think that that's the thing we forget, especially Hashimoto's warriors, is it's not about you can eat all the kale you freaking want. But if you're sensitive to it, you're going to feel like crap. <laughs> like, like exactly. it's taking care of your mindset, your lifestyle, your stress management, and then the food and the additional stuff, you know, whatever comes next. Not it, it's we're a system. We have to kind of take everything from our mindset, our stress, our food, our body, our skin, everything, and kind of let it all balance each other out and work together instead of just trying to fix one thing that tends to be probably the most difficult thing because we live in a society that doesn't teach us the foundations that we need to be successful at learning what foods work for our bodies. Or even experimenting in a way that doesn't feel too restrictive. And I would love to, you know, a lot of the food part of my programs is experimentation, is what makes you feel good. But we always start out with stress management, like you said, and how can we make this fit into your life instead of making it become your life? And that's what I think a big lesson here intuitively, not just with eating, I mean, movement, what, what you say, your environment, everything around you intuitively, just learning your body again. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I was like jotting down notes because I don't want to, I didn't want to forget to say this because I do that sometimes. Um, but 
let's say that you have a client that, or there's somebody listening out there and in your elimination, you have found, I posted about this the other day, let me back up that you don't have to explain your preferences to anyone. Right. And I find that when it comes to this food freedom journey, if you prefer, I saw someone post about this the other day that they said they felt like when they were starting food freedom and in recovery from their disordered eating, that they had to choose the whole milk in their coffee or the cream in their coffee, because Mm -hmm. to prove to whoever, let's say whatever, because to prove to whoever that they could. Right. But the reality is, is that their preference is the skim milk, let's say 1%, whatever it was, who knows. Mm -hmm. But because there's this like pressure and stigma and what guilt and shame still around this journey for this person, it was, I have to have this, the whole milk, even though after I drink it, I don't feel good. And so what I want to like kind of pose this situation and question out there to the listeners is if you are on an elimination diet and you find something, let's say like gluten and you cut out gluten and you feel better. Mm-hmm. You have to own that and really understand what does feeling better feel like to you? And how can you put that on paper? How can you write down like specific things that actually feel better without this food in your diet? And if the intention behind the choice is I cut this out and I feel so much brighter and lighter and I have more energy and my skin is healing or whatever the case may be, and you have that emotional support, right? Like, you know, that you're cutting this out, not because you're trying to lose weight, or you're trying to follow a diet, it's because you have all of these really positive outcomes, then it's amazing if it makes you feel good. But it because diet culture exists, if somebody's cutting out gluten, and they really honestly don't feel any different, Mm -hmm. right? That's something we have to learn to be honest with ourselves about and something that I think is really difficult in the society that we live in, in this moment is to really understand and evaluate those things. And so the next layer to that is something that I talk to clients about often, or I used to, I'm not currently seeing clients. Uh, It's been a while. I'm a little rusty, but um, what I would talk to clients about too, is like, if you have, if you're in your experimentation phase, if you're in your phase where you're either bringing foods back in or, you know, playing around with foods in your diet for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. If you have an experience where you don't feel good after the experience, this is that turning point for a lot of people where they go back to their disordered habits or patterns, because I've had an experience either maybe ate more than I needed. I feel uncomfortable. I don't like this feeling. And I want to do everything in my power to get out of it because as human beings, we hate being uncomfortable, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is, right? We don't, as my friend Brianna Campo says, we don't like to sit in the suck and learn. Um, But the reality is, is that in those moments, if you can be honest and say, was it because I had something with gluten or was it because I had maybe more than my body needed in that moment? Or maybe it's because I already feared this food. And when I had it, I didn't slow down. I didn't listen to my body. I didn't take note of how it was making me feel. Maybe it's just my guilt and shame connected to that food to begin with that I've already like put out there that I'm not going to feel good about eating this. So then I don't feel good about eating this. Um, Whatever it is, learn from it, repeat it while making these changes. 
and then see how you feel and make it a process. Don't make it this like black and white. This was good for me. This wasn't allow that time to find the food freedom to help with the healing and to really go through that journey without the guilt and shame. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> totally. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like you're taking everything that I've been like trying to decipher in my brain and you just like put it in one sentence. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, this is so juicy. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's about, it's a process, just like anything. You have to relearn what makes you, your body feel the best. Good. Yeah. Right. Like, like, it's, it's important to realize that you can still enjoy the process of experimenting with different foods and eat good food without feeling restrictive in your life. And I purposely don't call it an elimination diet because the, that is very triggering for me mm. personally. A lot of my journey is in my programs, right? I, I like, Love that. I'm sure you, you too, you, you yeah. also have been on this journey too. And that's many, many years over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, and I, I'm, I hope it's okay to bring up, but you weren't always happy, strong, healthy, oh, no. right? You were happy. When slim. we met, I was not right. You were happy, slim, <laughs> Ha- happy slim healthy, slim, healthy. Yep. and I think that like your, your story too is also a testament that like we're just all relearning our intuitiveness in our lives in general and it is a process and it is something where you have to almost like the thoughts are going to continue to come into your mind what the difference is is being able to talk yourself through them and come up with a better solution for yourself other than the binge other than the right the this the that and i think that i would love to hear more about like your story with it too because i feel like that's just so relatable and some like important to know like i appreciate kid. that <laughs> yes. And I'm sorry about my dog. I hear my okay. husband running down the stairs to make him stop barking. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Um, but no, I think so. When we met many years ago, I, my Instagram, let me back up even further. My Instagram started, my private practice, quote unquote, started before my wedding. And my Instagram handle at the time was new and it was happy, slim, healthy bride. And it was my quote unquote journey to fitting in my wedding dress for lack of a better description, because that was all I cared about. Um, and it's really sad looking back on that now, but it's a huge growth opportunity to learn from in this conversation and in my whole life. And so, you know, the reality, just like with diet culture and diets and having these numerical goals, right? is once the event happens, the impact and the, the, what's the right word, the damage that you've done to maybe mentally, physically, whatever it was, both of those things for me personally doesn't end. Mm -hmm. And so I just dropped bride off of the end of the Instagram name. Cause I was like, I don't want to niche myself down to just weddings. Like, let me, you know, branch this out more. And it was happy, slim, healthy. And it was my journey, quote unquote, to helping people, you know, be the fittest they could be and to really like soften what I feel like I was doing. I call myself in that phase of life, diet culture, Jenna, and she's no longer here. Um, I realized through personal experience, through my own disordered 
habits and emotions. My relationship with movement was really my biggest issue, um, really abused exercise. And with that comes the abusing of food and manipulation and restriction in that sense. And I think I said in a podcast once, it was not my own, it was a tips with Tony. I think it was her podcast. Um, I mentioned in there that, you know, I had six pack abs and all of these things. And I was the least healthy I've ever been in my entire life Mm. on the outside. I looked like the quote unquote, and I want that heavily quoted picture of what society believes to be healthy. And my hair was falling out. My skin was a mess. My personal life was a mess. I had no brain space for anything other than workouts. I had no life Mm. other than exercise and restriction. There was no date nights with, you know, foods that were enjoyable. I couldn't eat outside of my home. Like, you know, details, details, details. There was nothing besides, you know, my rigidity of my schedule. And so that or my routine, I should say. Um, And there was obviously a breaking point for me and this like reawakening to this can't be, you know, health, this isn't healthy. And this can't be what I'm teaching people. And there has to be another way. And in my heart, I had always taught people things differently than what I was following. Mm. Um, And I always, right, it's juicy. I would, you know, if I was doing something like, and I knew in the back of my mind, it wasn't the right thing. Like I always tried to teach otherwise, but with the end goal being a change in weight. And that's just not who I am anymore after research and understanding and going through the intuitive eating um, certification course. I'm like one third of the way there, just really understanding the studies and understanding health at every size and knowing that we were taught weight loss as a career in school, but the reality is, is that your weight does not equal your health. And in my journey to finding my own food freedom, and then therefore helping other people do the same, it's been a journey of healing and understanding that we are so much more than the foods that we eat and the size of our pants. Mm -hmm. And it's life is just to be lived and food has to be a part of life. But truth be told, it can't be the only thing that we have space for in our brains. Mm -hmm. Um, And so happy, strong, healthy was changed. I remember specifically when it happened, I was having um, a happy hour with my friend, Sam, who I co-host the podcast with. And she was like, look, this is when we decided we were going to do our podcast. And she looked at me and she was like, I can't co-host a intuitive eating podcast with somebody named happy, slim, healthy. So like, you're going to need to figure that out. And I was like, I know it doesn't fit me anymore. Like, what should I do? And we like Google searched happy, strong, healthy. Somebody had it, had to add the RD. And I was like, done. We did it all came over, never looked back from there. Um, And it just fits me so much better because my beliefs are rooted in happy comes first for a reason Mm -hmm. and helping people understand that happiness, strength, and health can all be one in the same. And everybody has their own definition of all three of those words. And that's okay. I want to help you find yours. Oh, so good. I got the show. <laughs> oh, good. I love your story. Cause it's so true. When we first met, um, you were, you were very into, um, I probably packed my, all my own food at <laughs> as well. Like, let's just put that out there. That was like probably close to five years ago now, four and a half, mm-hmm. four. Um, I definitely like had my fiber crackers with me in my bag and didn't snack on anything, yeah. but what I brought with me, like that's yeah. how 
soon this journey is still or fresh it is for me. And it, it's so interesting. And I think that thank you for sharing. Uh, I know it's not easy to bring up old, old Jenna, right? And um, <laughs> it, even though she is a part of you and your story, it's, it's so interesting how like one in the same we all are like even us like Hashimoto's warriors and it's like we everyone I I don't think I've ever met anyone with Hashimoto's I've never met anyone in real life but through the computer um (laughs) it's so crazy (laughs) yeah who has never been on any kind of diet or has a great relationship with food or with themselves with their with movement with things like that and it just goes to show that like even Hashimoto's aside we're all in this together like Mm -hmm. no one you have experienced something that a lot of women want to experience and that's truly helping yourself empowering yourself to understand what the heck is going on in my body like I think that's where it it stems from that's where any journey any health journey should stem from and I wish this is something we were taught in school um is it's not about weight loss like in general a diet should not be about weight loss it should be about feeling your best goddamn self like mm-hmm. I, I think about who I want to be in the next x amount of years like I want to like skinny thin has nothing to do with it anymore and it, that used to be the only thing I want to lose weight so I can get a boyfriend I want to lose weight so I could do this and it never worked because I never realized that like no I I, I want to be happy, like, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's once we realize that, and, and with my clients, and I'm sure with your clients, once I realize I get to dictate my own happiness, the the restriction and the food part kind of you release the expectation that that's going to solve all your issues. I love that, and I think one of the toughest pills to swallow for every person that I've spoken to about this topic is that the reality is, is that the body that you think, quote unquote, is going to make you the happiest likely is not. Um, And that's really hard. It's hard because again, we've grown up in this society and in this world where we've attributed size of our pants um, to the happiest person. And I mean, it's just not true and it's just not real and it's not fair. Like I'll say that over and over again. I know life's not fair, but like, it's not fair. Yeah, (laughs) it's not fair. fair, And it's not fair that that's the lesson that little girls and and boys are still learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that once we can understand that finding what truly makes you feel your best, where you're living a life that, that fulfills you and makes you happy, where you can think about things, where you can open the fridge or go food shopping or Instacart, whatever it is, that, you, however you get your groceries these days, and you can look at it as options instead of rules and restrictions. Mm-hmm. Like that's when life gets better. When you can go to a barbecue this summer and not bring all your own food, unless you need to for medical right. reasons. But if you can go to a place and know that there will be something that you can choose on the menu because there are no restrictions. It's really comes down to your preferences. Like that's when life gets fun. And like, that's when life gets good. And 
Yeah, I lived many years of my life without either of those opportunities. And, you know, one of my lowest points, I I can share this now, I don't think I've ever shared this on a podcast before. But one of my lowest points was, I remember um, my, my Nana Shiva, I brought all my own food, Mm -hmm. I was going to be there all day, I had plastic containers, I had whatever with me Uh and you know we had some of her favorite foods there we had the family was eating together whatever it was but nope Jenna has her food in the corner Mm -hmm. and I would blame things like my allergies and it just wasn't true like Uh nothing had nuts in them right um so it's like that's when you know when you look back on these experiences and if you can be honest with yourself like is that you know the healthiest thing to do no, it wasn't right. But I was doing those things under the guise of health. Right. And that's really where the messed up pieces kind of, you know, really fall into play is when you realize that like you've been living or doing something where you believed it to be healthy and you peel back the layers and you recognize it's like the least healthy that yeah. could be. And that's hard. It's really hard. And one thing I do want to add is that people need to know and understand that this takes time. You know, I'm talking like five years later and it's still something that I still have those thoughts pop up sometimes, but instead of trying to like pop them away and like fight them all the time now, it's more of like, Ooh, let's get curious. Where's this coming from? What's drumming this out for me? And what can I do to say, Hey thought, I see you. I'm not ignoring you. Let me learn from you and move forward instead of like whack-a-mole, like pop it down and pretend it's not going to just pop back up. Like it is. (laughs) You have to work through the thoughts. I, I think that's the big, the big key here is that like everything you were taught everything from somewhere, whether Mm -hmm. it be society, your parents, school, like, right. We were all taught a lot of what we believe in and value. And I think we have to remind ourselves. And I remind all my clients, this is that just as you know, you'd learn something, you can always relearn things. Like you don't have to continue uh, down this path if it doesn't feel aligned with where you are right now or who you want to be. And that goes for food and rules and things like that. And I think you know, one last thing I did want to mention, first of all, I don't know how you got through a shiva without having a bagel because oh, right. Like <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I think, you know, to, to play on that scenario. Right. Um, one thing that's really helped me with my food freedom in that specific scenario is I, instead of saying, Oh, I just, I wish I could have this or that. I go get a gluten-free bagel or a bagel that I know won't hurt me. And I have it with zero guilt, not a prop, like no vegetables for it, whatever it is. Right. And I eat and I enjoy, and I'm with my family. And I think that's the, the mindset flip here in the lesson between like the two scenarios is you can bring your own food and still be listening to your food freedom, your, your intuition and enjoy the heck out of it. I mean, not at a Shiva maybe, but you know, (laughs) in general and bring your own food and be okay with that. Or you can bring your own food because you're terrified that going over your macros or um, you're going to get a flare or you're just so scared to put something in your body. That's the, that's the toxic mentality that, you know, I just want to clarify that that yes, is not you're so right. going to be helpful or serve you at all. And I hope you see the difference. Those listening is that like you can 
if you are sensitive to things with Hashimoto's, right? Like we have a lot of food sensitivities and that's where the experiment comes in and you're at a family function, you're at a barbecue, this or that. One thing that I love to do is say, it's okay to bring your own food, but bring it like a Buffalo chicken dip that fits your needs, but let everyone else have it. Like no one's going to ask, Oh, is this dairy free cheat? Like no one needs to know. You don't even need to say it. It's just, you, you get to enjoy what you want to enjoy and feel empowered doing it. If you allow yourself to. And that's like, you nailed that obviously, because you're the queen of this, but it comes back to in like intuitive eating speak, it's your intentions, right? Mm-hmm. What are your intentions behind your choices? And I had an experience once where somebody called me out on Instagram. I was like measuring something in a recipe and they said, well, in intuitive eating, why are you showing your portions? And I was like, Ooh, well, I, I'm going to think about this for a second, but reality is I'm not a good cook. So when I follow a recipe, then I know that it's going to turn out the way it was intended to turn out, right? right? My intention behind using a measuring cup in that moment is to make sure the, the dressing measured properly. Cause otherwise I would just pour the, however much I saw and it might not right. taste good. Right. But the same thing with what you're saying, your intentions behind the choice is because you know it makes you feel good, mm-hmm. not the intention being like for me at that shiva was weight loss, right. was fear. My intention was guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. My intention was let me protect myself because breaking my routine scared me. Right. Uh, my intention wasn't to be included and include other people in my eating experience. It was to keep my eating experience separate. And so what you were saying here, which is such a huge point is bring your own food, share your own food, bring people into your journey, make sure there, if you're a vegetarian and you go to a barbecue and they don't have, you know, anything that you can quote unquote eat, you know, that sucks. So bring your veggie burgers and right. share them with people, bring some, you know, beyond meat burgers, whatever you want right. and, you know, share them with people, let somebody else enjoy something that you enjoy and make it more social than isolating. And I think that's really the key. A lot of times, you know, these journeys to finding what works best for us can be very isolating. And that's where disordered patterns can really stem from, um, which is really difficult. And it's a, a fine line. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we could talk about this forever. I know. <laughs> and like I need a part two, like that too, which we can totally do. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, so I know um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So Jenna, if you can, this is going to be a loaded question. You're going to hate me for asking this, but if you can okay. leave us right. off with <laughs> one piece of advice as Hashimoto's warriors when it comes to finding food freedom while still experimenting, right? And intuitively learning, what would it be? My like gut reaction, like the first thing that I want to say is the, while you're on this journey, I, I would empower you to get very clear on your intentions. Mm-hmm. And I would empower you before getting into this journey and before going through, you know, the experimentation phase with help under care of mm-hmm. Chelsea, um, <laughs> before doing all of this, get very clear on your intention and make sure your intention is your health. and not the size of your body. And so when you go through this process and when you start to understand and get really clear about what it is that actually makes you feel good, 
you know, it's just so much easier. What we have our clients do, um, in our group program is at the beginning of the group program, we have you just define the words happy and healthy because Mm. you're before going through intuitive eating, before going through a food freedom journey, before going through experimenting with Hashimoto's, you know, those two words can mean something very different than what they end up meaning in the end. Your health could mean lab values in the beginning, or let's say your weight, because that's what we've been taught. And in the end, it might be the way that you feel and the energy that you have and your lab values or whatever else, Mm -hmm. right? It can be these behaviors when you start to realize that weight is not a behavior and it's not equaling to your health and the same thing with happiness. And so my, my recommendation again, would be to just get clear what your intentions are. You want to feel better in your skin. What does that mean to you? And are you willing to put in the work and the time without the stress of, you know, what is this going to do to me instead of how is this going to make me feel? Mm -hmm. And then those two things work together in harmony. We decrease stress. And if our body changes in any way, we're accepting and we're happy and we're figuring that piece out together. So good. I love it. I love it. I love it. Jenna, can you just share where everyone can find you? And this will all be in the show notes. Thank you so much. I'm so happy. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at happystronghealthy.rd. I suck at DMs. I'm just going to put that out there and be honest. And so if you want to get in touch with me, my email is Jenna at happystronghealthyrd.com. My inbox is always at zero. My DM inbox is not. So (laughs) I appreciate appreciate emails so much. Um, I will never leave one unread. Mm -hmm. So that is the best way to get to me. And I just so appreciate being here. I love what you do. I'm staring at your Instagram page over here at David um, from Schitt's Creek. One of my favorite posts of yours. Um, And I am just so grateful. So thank you for having me today. Thank you so much for being here, Jenna. You're amazing. And hopefully we can have you back soon.